Hello and welcome to a Waypoint Church podcast by Jim Privett. We hope you enjoy listening to it. So we're going to kick off a series today called, um, we've got this slide for this? Is it working? Yes, Unshakable Kingdom. And uh, like we said, the kingdom has been used a lot recently in our church the last year or so. And we just felt like, do we really understand what that word kingdom means? If I could ask you a question at the start of this, and I need interaction, by the way. If you could boil down Jesus' words, his main message, his central theme into a sentence or a couple of words, what would it be? It's panto time. Sorry? Come. Okay. Love one another. Anyone else? Seek first, <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God. Well, you ruined it, but never mind. <laughs> God with us, yeah? Emmanuel, God with us. So there's lots of different themes, isn't there? If we really put your head into Scripture and understand who, why Jesus came, love your neighbor, the golden rule, do unto others you want them to do to you, do not worry, love your enemies, serving is a key theme. Jesus was the servant king, giving, forgiveness. It's really important, though, to understand what you think about Jesus' main theme is, because that's what, what will shape your relationship with Jesus. If it is serving, if it is love others, if it is Emmanuel with us, those are all good things, but that will strongly be your bent, if you like. That will be your main angle when it comes to walking with Jesus and understanding what he came to do. Does that make sense? So three of the four Gospels repent. The kingdom of God is near. They talk about the kingdom of God. The main theme that Jesus came and spoke about the most was kingdom. Okay, it wasn't all the other stuff that he did speak about, but the main theme was kingdom. So it's a big thing. It should be a big thing. 50 times in Matthew is talked about, 160 odd times across the New Testament as well, a number of times in the Old Testament. The central theme to Jesus' message was kingdom. What is this kingdom? Hebrews 12, we are reminded that we're part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And how shaken have we felt in the last couple of years? Yeah? I've felt very shaken for lots of different reasons. We, fit, we, we, we feel it, don't we? But we know that we have an unshakable kingdom because of who we are in Christ. One day there's going to be a, a full shaking, and we'll find out about that year, in a year or the end of the year. A full shake when everything else falls away and the only kingdom that remains is the kingdom we are part of. That's exciting, isn't it? What a promise that is as well. But what does it really mean? What does kingdom mean to you and me? I think the concept of kingdom is quite a, a dated one in some respects. It's a bit of a, an old-fashioned kind of thing that's survived from sort of medieval times. We're in a, well, <laughs> we're governed by a government, aren't we? We have democracy, power of the people, <laughs> etc. Don't we? <laughs> we should do. Sorry. <laughs> But, so we kind of have a very different understanding of what it means to be ruled, I think. But we have a king as well at the moment, so that's a bit strange. So if I was to ask you what does God's kingdom look like, or the kingdom of heaven, and sometimes it's interchangeably used, what would you say? Kingdom of heaven is possibly a place. It is heaven. Kingdom of God is a place that will come one day. I think we look at that dom, kingdom, domain, so it's, it's a boundaried area. It's a space that perhaps when we get together, that's, this is the kingdom of God, and it's great. But that isn't what Jesus talked about. In Scripture, in the Greek and in the Hebrew, kingdom is more synonymous with action and activity. It's an active thing. It's about being ruled and being reigned. So the state of being bored, bored is boredom, 
Kingdom is not a state of being kings. It's a, it's a state of being ruled or reigned. Are you with me? It's an active thing to allow yourself to be ruled and reigned by the king. Often we say, you know, we, we love King Jesus, but do you love him to the point where you allow yourself to be ruled by him? That he reigns in your life. It's an active movement. If you've got your Bibles with you, we'll get into the passage in a minute. But before we do that, get to Genesis 1, uh, 26. Can you do that? You can use your phones if you haven't got your paper Bibles. Genesis 1, 26 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So, we're made in the image of God, we know that. But what's one of the things that we're called to do? Rule. Yeah? You with me? Yeah? Are you alive? Good. <laughs> to rule. To rule. So therefore, it's in God's nature to rule. We're made in the image of God. Therefore, one of the first things we see that God is like is that he's a ruler. He's a king. He reigns. But what he chooses to do is he chooses to rule through us, humanity. You'll see loads of stories in the Old Testament where God's kingdom happens through people that he chooses or people groups that he chooses. In essence, we as humans embody God's image by ruling over the world through the authority given to us through, the Jesus, through Jesus Christ. Don't we? Yeah? Transitional statement. So really, when we consider the kingdom of God, we should read it as the rule or the reign of God in our lives. Which is why Corinthians talks about being ambassadors for Christ as well. So it's not some domain. We're not in. <laughs> we haven't got a get-out-of-jail-free card. We're not a part of some sort of special group. It's an active thing. The kingdom is an unfolding, growing, moving thing. You are called to that kingdom. We're called back to the original intent that you see in Genesis, to rule and to reign in the name of Jesus through the power of Jesus' work on the cross by the power of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Jesus himself, when he died, when he came and died, he inaugurates the kingdom once more. He introduces it once more. He starts that work of pulling back to God, the kingdom that God intended back in Genesis, his rule and his reign. And he looks to you and me and he says, do it. Through you, I will rule and reign on this earth. We can continue to learn a lot about what Jesus thinks about the kingdom as we unpack now Matthew 13, 31 to 46. So if, you're, if you've got your Bibles, I don't know if we'll have, we'll have it on the screen, no, no. If you haven't got your Bibles, you can follow on the screen. But if you have, Matthew 13, 31 to 46. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. 
So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter these things hidden since the creation of the world. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had. So, there's a lot in that, isn't there? There's a lot in that. So an overarching observation is that Jesus says what about the kingdom of heaven? It's not the kingdom of heaven is. The kingdom of heaven is like. Four times he says that in that passage. For me, as I read that, I had a sense that God was saying, this is just glimpses of something. It's, not, it's a singular description. It's the now and the not yet. We won't know the fullness of what he's talking about until the coming kingdom. He even uses parables that his disciples don't fully understand. So the kingdom is something that we need to hold really carefully. Really, really carefully. It's the most spoken about thing Jesus spoke about. It's a central message, but we are called to hold it carefully. To try and wrestle with it, to understand it. To have humility towards it. And so that's what I want us. We've got this series over the next four weeks of unpacking more and more aspects of the kingdom of God. We've got Chris next week. Chris Brockway is coming to speak as well. Kevin, one of our elders, is speaking. And then Kat from South Africa will be speaking on one of these as well. So unpacking, giving us a bigger picture. But ultimately, the kingdom of God is something that we need to hold with real humility. Are we prepared for this? Do we want to do this, church? Yeah? I don't want this just to be another series of head knowledge. This needs to be something that, that, that gets into us, that the Spirit begins to stir and open our eyes to and reveals more of himself to us. So my first observation is this. The kingdom of heaven is a catalyst for great change. I've got a question. It's very deep. Do you know how a pearl is made? Yeah? Good. Some of you that don't, I'll just explain it to you, otherwise it completely ruins the whole thing. <laughs> Pearls are made by oysters or freshwater mussels, and they are a natural defense against something that's either gotten into the shell, so it could be an irritant, uh, a grain of sand, or maybe a parasite, or perhaps there's been a, a, a broken bit of the shell. And what happens is this, this thing irritates the mussel or the oyster, and so the oyster sort of secretes this fluid time and time and time again over this, this irritant to the point that a beautiful pearl is made. It creates this incredible thing from something that seemingly starts so small. Um, and it just reminded me of our, what we have in Christ, eh? <laughs> that the irritant of sin in our lives, that Christ took that and dealt with it, didn't he? Yeah? And he pours his grace out on it time and time and time again until 
out of us, look around, out of us lovely, beautiful people. We weren't beautiful once in Jesus' sight, in God's eyes. But he looks at us and he thinks, wow, I've poured out my grace on you. I'm, making, I'm, 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 I'm breaking you into something new. Those first two verses, 31 to 33, are actually specifically talking about the gospel, the good news. Jesus himself, he's talking about himself. Going out into all the world, raising up bread, you know, what was dead but is now coming to life. That's the power of the good news of Jesus Christ. That the gospel will be the only thing that remains. That's the only kingdom. It will be the biggest thing in the kingdom and the birds will nest on its branches. But also there's that acknowledgement that we have that sin in us. We had that sin in us and Jesus dealt with it. So there's this personal application as well to us that the gospel, the good news of Jesus continues to work in our lives doesn't it? I hope. Something so small, just, you know, John 3.16, that basic thing, and it's much more than that. Those basic words have so much power and change for catalyst as well, to transform. Not once, you know, so many of us, and I've been in this situation in my life with Jesus over years, where I've said yes to Jesus, and that's it. That's the good news to me. He's got me out of jail again. <laughs> you know, he's forgiven me again. But it's so much more than that, the good news of Jesus, the gospel. As you start this year, do you allow, like the yeast that threw that bread, to raise something new in you, to reveal new things in you, to lift you? 2022, what was it like for some of you? Probably quite difficult. Some of you probably thought it was amazing. It's good to get back into the swing of things at church as well, wasn't it? Some of you stepped out in a much deeper, more passionate way towards Jesus. Some of you understood the scriptures better for the first time in a long time. Others of you just said, I just needed to survive last year. Some of you thought the same in 21 and 20 and 19. I, I, I often challenge myself with this. If one of my friends who knew me five years ago saw me now <laughs> in terms of my faith, would they go, well, you're just the same? There's no difference. Am I making sense? Do you ever question yourself with that? I've said this before. In our, in our, in our door, in one of our, in our bathroom, we've only got one bathroom, in our bathroom, on the back of our door, we've got our children's heights over the years. Uh, and uh, it's really lovely to see how they've grown. You know, 10, 11, 12, whatever. Obi's trying to be taller than Emily, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. But often you sit there, and if you're ready, you get yourself ready in the bathroom, and the door's always open, you can see it. And I'm regularly reminded, am I growing? Am I allowing the grace of God to be poured out on my life and to continue to grow this beautiful thing in my life? Am I allowing the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to continue to shape me? You with me? Or is it a one-time thing of just when I'm sorry? It's much more than that. You're called to a kingdom that is much more than that. So, are you giving space and the right environment for the good news of Jesus to grow in your life? We're, being, we're part of a kingdom, aren't we, that is evolving, is growing, is moving. Next thing. Jesus unpacks a parable that he said to the crowds back in verse 24. We didn't read that out. His disciples didn't really understand it, so he's trying to unpack it for them. But as I read it, I just felt that this was appropriate to share with you this morning. That and this, this is two parts, this bit. Is that firstly, that there is a battle going on for souls. I think it was amazing, Rachel, that you talked about this for the Titanic thing this morning. Isn't it funny how God's got a plan for services? <laughs> right? This isn't all, we didn't, we didn't, that wasn't, okay. 
fact, sometimes you know, like the less that we do, the more that he tends to create a theme himself. It's amazing, isn't it? It's like he knows what he's doing. <laughs> we are full, we're in a world full of people that don't know Jesus. It says in the scripture that a, it, the world is that field, doesn't it? It says in that particular passage. And according to the scripture, the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom, and the weeds are the people of the evil one. There's no middle ground there. And I know many, 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 many people who aren't Christians, who probably are nicer than some Christians, I'll be frank, <laughs> who are kinder, they're more generous and more thank, thank, grateful or whatever. And yet, Scripture is quite clear. There's two people. There's the lost and there's the found. No one else talks about hell and, and judgment, by the way, as much as Jesus. He's, the, he's like the main biblical character talks about it. And so if it's real to Jesus... <laughs> It needs to be real to us. We don't like talking about hell and judgment. It's a little bit scary, isn't it? We don't want to put people off. We don't want them to be scared. And we, we love people. Of course we do. And I'm not an advocate for standing on the street corner with a bullhorn shouting at people, you know, all this sort of stuff. Not at all. So we approach people with gentleness and respect and in love. But one rule of thumb, if Jesus says it, it's important. It's really important. One part of this spiritual battle thing I want to talk about is that we are in a battle to win people's souls for God. And you have been given the authority through the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives to go and do that. Don't you? Haven't you? You don't need the wisdom of today's age. You don't need all the words to say. We just read that from, our, from the Reveal um, series, sermon, sorry. You need the wisdom of the Spirit, and you've got the Spirit, so you have the wisdom to go and share, to go and to sow the good news of Jesus in people's lives. Do you pray for people for their salvation? I've got two brothers that don't believe in Jesus, and it pains me. Anyone else in the situation you know people that don't love or don't know Jesus? I'm not going to get you to raise your hand, but do you pray for them every day? That's one way that we can sow. Spiritually, we can sow. We're called to a battlefield. We're in a battlefield. We're not just, it's not a holy huddle. The kingdom is an ongoing, unfolding thing. Second thing, there's in Scripture that the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone to devour. The beautiful thing about your salvation is that it is sealed in Jesus Christ, okay? You're part of an incorruptible kingdom. Amen? Yeah, you can be confident in that. But in verse 41, it says that Jesus will send his angels to weed out of his kingdom everything, not everyone, everything that causes sin and then evil people as well. It's right to remember that as followers of Jesus, that we aren't perfect, are we? We are projects. Yeah? We're not perfect, we are projects. So the enemy is looking to kill and to steal and to destroy the ongoing transforming work of the gospel in your life. For all the layers that God wants to layer upon you in his grace, the work of the Spirit, Satan wants to take that away from you. He doesn't want you to receive that stuff. He doesn't want you to have that stuff. He doesn't want you to know God more intimately. He doesn't want you to know God better. I, don't, I, I believe that. His job is to make you hmm, lazy, apathetic, threatless in the kingdom, insignificant for God's kingdom. If, if you are lazy, if you're not too bothered, if you don't want to do this for God, if you're not prepared to stand, and I get this is not easy stuff, right? He's got you right where he needs you. You become less effective and less active for God. 
God can't bring his rule and reign so much on the earth if you're just a little bit more, well, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't want to scare anyone. I don't want them to really know that I'm a Christian or I don't want them to know who God really is. Are you with me? I think some of those things, by the way, are our own doing. I've got a little phrase I've written down. I hope it makes sense. Sinful actions are a method of mediocrity in our spiritual lives. Sinful actions are a method for mediocrity in our spiritual lives. Even as Christians, we sin still. We're a project. We're not perfect. There are things in our lives, I guarantee it, that keep us at this relationship level with God. Because we're not prepared to acknowledge it for what it is. It's a sinful action. It might be a way of thinking. It might be proud, proud, pride, pride. It might be unforgiveness or bitterness. It could be anger towards someone. It might be bad behaviors. It might be addictions. I generally believe that I've seen in my life, and I see this, I think, in other people's lives, is that when we have something in our lives that we know that God's not massively uh, happy with us, let's face it. Let's really face it. Let's give it to God. And then I, I believe he moves us further on in our walk with him as we learn to give him our weaknesses. He begins to build us up to become more like him and to be used better for him in his kingdom. Thank goodness, Paul says, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So this is no condemnation, by the way. I'm going to hold my hand up. I sin as well. We all sin. Okay, but grace abounds much more. But are there things in your life right now that are keeping you stagnant? It could even just be disciplines. It might be commitment. Are there things that are keeping you in this kind of sluggish spiritual state where God's saying, there's so much more that I could do through you and in you for the power of my kingdom, for my glory, for his glory, that is, but you're not prepared to deal with it. Verse 43, just for those of you that needed some assurance, you will shine like the sun in the kingdom of your father. The enemy does not have an eternal effect on you in terms of stealing that salvation away from you, but you're already in a place of victory and effectiveness for God's kingdom. Where do we need to allow that to happen more often in our lives? Last thing. very quiet today church is everything all right (laughs) sorry last thing jesus describes the kingdom of heaven as something that has greater value than all other things and he talks about two people someone who stumbled upon the kingdom awesome and someone who sought after it either way whether you stumble upon it or you seek after it the kingdom of heaven kingdom of god is something that is of the highest value, worth giving up all other things for. I love that picture of that, the, the, the man who found the treasure in the field, didn't he? And then he hid it, and then he went away, and then he sold everything that he had, and he came back with great joy. He owned the whole field so he could have this treasure, didn't he? And yet so many of us are, are playing in other fields all the time. Our treasures are hidden somewhere else. And that becomes our life. We've got a field of family. This is our field. Or a field of jobs or addictions or relationships I'm chasing after that I'm desperate for. And that becomes your whole focus and your whole identity. This man sold everything that he had for the field that had the treasure, the gospel, the good news in, the kingdom of God in. Right? Are you all out for Jesus? Is that more important to you than your job? than your relationships, your status, your hobbies, 
Can you honestly say that you seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness? And I say this, by the way, I might as well get a mirror when I'm preaching because I'm saying this to myself always, right? I don't preach this to sort of put anyone down. Imagine a mirror here. (laughs) Because these are hard words, aren't they? These are hard words. And yet the man who stumbled upon the kingdom of God was like, wow, I want to give everything. I'm going to give my all to you, Jesus. I'm not going to turn my head back from the plow because then I go in different directions. I'm going to look forwards all the time. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's a message version of it. I know the message version is a bit sometimes, but it says this. Don't be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way that he works fuss over these things. But you know God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provision. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. C.S. Lewis writes in The Weight of Glory, He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. The kingdom of God is of the highest value. Can you honestly say, can I honestly say that I seek that above all other things? That's what I want for this church. What's what I want for you? That you are people that seek God's kingdom above all other things. This might be the year that you finally put some of these other things away. I'm going to play in the right field now. (laughs) I'm about to play in the right field. I'm going to give out everything I have to play in the field that God's called me to for his kingdom purposes. Coming into land with this. The kingdom of God is a catalyst for great things in your life. The kingdom of God is a battlefield. It's incorruptible. But you are in a spiritual battle right now. And at the start of this year, don't just let this year be another year in terms of your faith. You're in a spiritual battle. It might be a personal thing. It might be the God saying, step up. Go and sow. Go and bring the good news to people. The kingdom of God is greater than all other values. And perhaps some of the values you have right now, you need to think, I'm giving this to God now. This is not about the value of this, that, and the other. This is about your value. This is about you, God. The kingdom of God was re-established by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He inaugurated God's kingdom on earth. So, as we humbly seek God's kingdom, or his rule and reign, more specifically, let's be a church that is excited for what that means as he reveals more of himself to us personally and collectively as well. But also, let's remember that there's more to it than what I've said today. We're going to be unpacking this over the next few weeks. Are you excited, church? Yeah? I hope you're challenged today as well. I want to pray right now. I'm going to ask the the worship team up for us. But I want to um, just pray. There's a lot of stuff in that I appreciate. But I want to give us just a minute before God, in your own hearts, your own minds. I'm going to stop talking in a minute. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit just to reveal something to you. What is this thing? It might be a personal thing. It might be I'm all out now. This is it. This is the year I'm all out for God. This might be a, I need to go and talk to this person about Jesus. Something has just resonated with you. And you realize the seriousness of this, of the, the battle that we are in. I'm going to give you a minute. The band are just going to play over you quietly. And then I'm going to pray and then they're going to lead us to finish. Let's pray. 
Father God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth, that means in us. That means through us. Your will be done. Your wisdom be revealed. Your character be revealed. Your plans be revealed. Holy Spirit, fill us with your God-given presence. Fill us with your confidence, with your boldness, with a boldness to go and proclaim you to those that we have in our lives that we know don't know you. May we go and sow the good news of the gospel that is worth giving up everything for. May your gospel be a continued work in our life, that we're shaped by it. Lord, unveil your understanding, your kingdom knowledge, your hidden mysteries this year. God, we left before you everything that perhaps prevents us from knowing you better, more intimately. We lift before you everything that perhaps prevents us and holds us back, causes us to stumble, that entangles us, as it says in your word. The start of this year, we give it to you. We put it at your cross and we say, thank you that you dealt with it. Give us the Spirit's power to overcome it, to walk in step with you. Holy God, what an incredible privilege it is to know you, to live for you, not for ourselves. May this be the year that we go all out for you. Amen.